Welcome to Coach Bennett's podcast, where every run has a purpose, where kindness is hardcore, where this is about running, and this is not about running, where every starting line is a finish line in disguise, where rambling still gets you where you need to be, where pineapple will never ruin your pizza, and the sodas, adult and not adult kind, are always cold, and where there is room on the starting line for everybody. I'm Coach Bennett. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 24 of Coach Bennett's podcast, five fantastic tips for better winter running. That's right, five fantastic tips for better winter running. Do you see how I stressed all those different words and suddenly it becomes even more impressive? We've got a great episode today. We've also got a mindset minute with mindset coach extraordinaire, coach Tammy Bennett of the Show Up Society. We've got a brief conversation about how unbelievably beautiful Boise, Idaho was last weekend. Middle of November, beautiful Boise? Say it ain't so. It is so. And then we've got five fantastic tips for better winter running. So let's get started. Welcome to episode 24. Yes, they're just starting to rack up now, aren't they? 24, and this one is five fantastic tips for winter running, or it's going to be five fantastic tips for better winter running. I'm starting to think that not only do I ramble during these episodes, but I also ramble in my titles because some of my titles are just ridiculous. But at the same time, I'll tell you what, some of my favorite songs ever have ridiculously long titles like Elderly Woman Behind a Counter in a Small Town by Pearl Jam. If you've never heard that song, what's wrong with you? If you have heard that song, then you know it's one of the all-time great, not just Pearl Jam songs, but just songs from the 90s. And let's just break down the barriers that the 90s are holding us in and say it's one of the best songs of all time. Okay, I'm rambling. This episode, five fantastic tips for better winter running. And I'll tell you where the uh, inspiration came from, oddly enough. It came from Boise, Idaho this past weekend. I was there for the Nike Cross Regionals Northwest Championships. It's one of the regional meets to qualify for the Nike Cross National Championships, which is the National Cross Country Championships for high school. And it's not that it was cold. It was the opposite. I was expecting it to be brutally cold. So I'll tell you what, Boise in the middle of November just the last few years has been rough and it was mid 50s in fact arriving there on Thursday I did my run I had to take off um, my jacket because it was just too warm Friday being a day wiser I ran in uh, running pants and a t-shirt that's how beautiful it was So it may seem odd to you that why are you inspired to do a podcast on winter running or giving some tips on how to have better running during those winter months when you're running in a t-shirt? Well, it was because I knew that it could have very easily been the opposite. It started to get me to think about the winter that's on its way here in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm not totally prepared for it. And it usually sneaks up on me. And I think part of that is because I'm thinking mostly as a runner and not as a coach. When I was coaching high school, uh, I anticipated 
the winter months um, well ahead of time. In fact, I used to have my athletes start to bring hats and gloves and jackets and sweatpants and sweatshirts and all sorts of gear to practice well before it was needed to develop the habit of bringing this stuff. Because usually what happens is you're packing for what you're used to. You're packing for the fall. You're packing for cool weather. You're not packing for the cold weather that suddenly arrives. You're kind of, um, you're caught off guard. And next thing you know, you're hanging out after a run and you don't have the proper gear and you start to get cold. And from a coaching perspective, you don't want athletes to be wasting energy by, uh, you know, trying to warm themselves up in reaction to the cold temperatures or standing around after a run and this blanket of heat that they've built up from running dissipates and next thing you know you're cold and sweaty and that is not a good combo so this this was all swirling around on my run on friday which i did alone on the course and i was watching the athletes warming up and doing strides and you know, suddenly I got my, my coach vibe going on and the juices were flowing and I started thinking, I wonder if these kids are packed, not just for this weather, but for the fact that it's still November in Boise and when the sun goes down, it's going to get cold. So yes, we are thankful for this sun that is abnormally warm, but when the sun disappears, it gets cold and it gets cold fast. So anyway... This was the inspiration for, you know what, let's anticipate winter's arrival by having a podcast about winter running, cold running, okay, inclement weather running. And for this, I'm going to narrow it down to five fantastic tips for winter running or cold running. Again, I'm not quite sure what this is going to be called, but you're going to get the point very quickly. So shall we begin? I think we shall. Let's do it. Okay. The first one I'm going to bring up is really a Captain Obvious tip, but guess what? Sometimes the most obvious things are the ones that we don't pay attention to. So many times we don't notice what's right in front of us. And to me, the most obvious things you can pack for a cold run are a pair of gloves, and a hat. And I don't mean a baseball cap. I'm talking about a winter running hat. A hat that's going to keep your head warm. A hat that covers your ears and gloves that cover those hands of yours. This is how I want you to think about hats and gloves. When you go to sleep, in the winter. And let's say, you know, you were like uh, my family growing up where in the summer months, the air conditioning never really gets to be turned on low enough. And in the winter months, the heat never got turned up high enough. So you go to bed, you're not freezing, but your nose is a little cold. You know what I mean? And what happens is you end up kind of burying your hands between your thighs to warm them up. And you've got the comforter kind of up halfway over your face. You still got to breathe. And you're trying to get your ears and your nose a little bit warmer. And you're trying to get your hands warm. And you've got your feet kind of, you know, maybe you're wearing socks. Or if you were like me, um, 
and you didn't have a pair of socks on, maybe you have like a pair of sweatpants, you kind of like bring your feet into the pants to kind of keep them a little bit warmer, you're going to be wearing socks in the winter, I imagine. And you're going to be wearing trainers while you're running in the winter, I imagine. So I don't need to talk about that. But obviously with shoes, there are things you can do for that inclement weather. You can have shoes. Well, we can talk about that a little bit later. I want to focus on the gloves and the hat. You should always have a pair of gloves and a hat in your bag or your car or your locker or at your desk all winter long. And then you should always pack another pair of gloves and another hat. Two reasons here. One, this way you develop the habit of always taking what you need. The stuff that you have stashed away in your car, your locker, your desk, whatever, that's just backup. It's backup just in case something goes wrong and you, for whatever reason, don't bring the gloves and the hat, which would be, a, I'd be aghast as a coach. What do you mean you didn't pack them? But you've got the backup. Now, the other reason why you bring them is you may run with someone else who is not as thorough as you, who is not as great a planner as you. And this way, when you're about to head out into those cold, cold temps, those frigid temperatures, you can say, where, where's your, where are your gloves? And like, I, I just didn't bring them. I forgot. Okay, well, where's your hat? I, I just forgot. And you can say, don't worry about it. I got you covered. And they're going to think you're a rock star because you are a rock star. It's just like having that roll of toilet paper in your car. By the way, you should have a roll of toilet paper in your car always just in case. So the, the point here is I'm starting with hat and gloves because they're obvious. And yet they're usually the things that athletes forget. When I first started working at Nike, the first winter I worked at Nike was the coldest winter, or February specifically, since I believe the 30s. So we had a series of events at night, and we would do workouts and runs in Central Park. And often, we would be in Central Park, and on one of the buildings, they would give the time and then the temperature. And we were consistently in single digits, occasionally zero. It was really cold. And before we headed out, we would meet at a store. And we'd have about 100 people there. And I would make everyone put their hat on before we left the store. And I'd make them put their gloves on before we left the store. And then I would see who didn't have a hat and who didn't have gloves. And yes... I would then be a coach, and they would be the athlete, and they would get chastised. And it wasn't because I wanted them to feel bad. I wanted them to make sure they remembered next time to bring it. Luckily, we were at a store, so there were hats and there were gloves. And we were a great community, so we would also share. Because remember, always bring extra. But the next week, I would then say, who didn't remember last week? And let me see your hat. Let me see your gloves. And inevitably... They had them. So do what you need to do to make sure you've always got them handy. Get it. Your gloves are handy. Anyway, the point is the first pair of gloves and the first hat you should pack are the ones that you hopefully don't use all winter. They're the ones you're stashing in your car, your desk, your locker. Okay. You want to contain that heat. So I'll tell you what, if you get too cold, do you know what your body does? 
it works to warm up. And that energy it's using to warm up is energy it's not using to power your run. Okay? So you're actually making your run harder by not wearing gloves and a hat when it's very cold. So pack both of those and you just packed yourself a better run. Okay, we might as well stay with the apparel theme, right? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the next thing that's really important to me. And I'll start with what's probably the most consequential purchase, apparel purchase I've made in the last 15 years. And that's a really, really great winter running jacket. And then the companion piece to that is a really, really great base layer. And by base layer, I mean a piece of apparel that I'm wearing on my skin. Okay, it's my base layer. And to me, what I want is I want a base layer that keeps my engine warm, that protects my engine. What's my engine? My engine's my heart. So what you need to be thinking, the apparel you're wearing, you always hear me say every run has a purpose, but everything you wear should have a purpose too. So that base layer on a cold day, that's, that's your, you know, your last line of defense. So what, what are you wearing there? Are you wearing a cotton shirt? No. Are you wearing some really thin dry fit shirt? No. You can wear something that not only keeps you warm, but also will wick away the sweat on your body and put it outside that layer. Fantastic. So you want a great base layer. And on top of that base layer, you want a great winter running jacket. A jacket that will keep you warm, that's breathable, and is, you know, willing to fight the elements, meaning it's water repellent, okay? That's what you want. You want something that's going to keep you dry and keep you warm. And since, you know, let's be Goldilocks here and ask for everything, and is breathable because you will build up sweat. It is cold, yes, but if your apparel is doing its job, then you're going to build up sweat. What you want to do is you want that sweat to be wicked off you. And I'll tell you why. Because if it doesn't, then it's sitting on you and it's cold. And that's a tough battle to fight. We're going to get into that a little bit more about how we run and how we can take advantage of, of the wind when it's cold and all that stuff when it comes to this. But what I want you to do is imagine being in cold temperatures and wet. Not good. So what you want is to be able to sweat because that is your body cooling off. It's also creating heat around your body. So you're going to have this nice little force field of warmth on your body, which you want to contain, but you also want that moisture, that sweat to come off you. So you want fabric that is going to be wicking away the sweat. So that combo, what a perfect marriage, a great base layer and a great winter running jacket for those frigid temperature days. Now those cold days where maybe it's not unbelievably brutally frigid, you want another jacket that can keep you warm, but maybe not. Uh, it's it's not as high powered as your other jacket. To me, with that really great base layer, this means my other winter jacket can primarily focus on those rainy, sleety type of days. So I don't need something that is going to have to shoulder the burden of trying to keep me super warm. 
I just have this other jacket where now it's really, its primary focus is just to keep me dry. So I have a rain jacket, which is super important here in the Pacific Northwest because it basically rains nonstop for seven or eight months. So I usually go out and run with a base layer that kicks ass and then a rain jacket. On very, very cold days, like when we go back east and I visit, I bring that winter running jacket and I'm using that with the base layer because it's 15, 20 degrees colder. So that's that's the other part of the apparel equation. You know, obviously running pants are important and, you know, socks. I'm a big sock fan. But for me, if I have to pick just a couple things that are absolutely positively essential, I'm going with the base layer and a great jacket and then hats and a glove. Not hats and a glove, hat and gloves. Man, imagine if you took me like verbatim at what I said and you went out and you bought like a single glove and multiple hats. I mean, your head would be fine, but you know, one hand would be a problem. So there you go. That's apparel. Okay, I think we can move on to some more tips. Why not, right? Okay, this this is, I think... Um, something that gets overlooked in the winter and this is why i'm bringing it up because i think this is an easy fix to crappy runs that you tend to have in the winter and you may be wondering why and one of them is um winter time i find that athletes are chronically dehydrated spring summer as it starts to get warm it's just this constant reminder i need to be drinking water i need to be drinking water i need to stay hydrated i need to be taking in fluids winter time all of that goes away I see athletes, you know, drinking hot drinks occasionally. You know, they'll have a coffee, they'll have a hot chocolate, they'll have a mocha, whatever. But I don't see them carrying around the water jugs. I don't see them, you know, consciously making an effort to stay hydrated. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why our bodies are really simple and they can really only focus on a few things at a time. And in hot weather, we... we we make this connection, we draw this connection of water can cool us down and we're thirsty. There's just just some trigger when it's warm, we think we're thirsty. And, you know, great, which is why we're always carrying around bottles, which is why we do a pretty good job staying hydrated during those months. But in the cooler weather, colder weather, winter time, we're focused on warming ourselves up, not drinking water. So when our body's like, okay, I can focus on one thing, it's how do I stay warm, not how do I stay hydrated or cool myself off with water by drinking water or getting water on me. So water kind of disappears. So hydrate yourself. And this is the thing that's wild. Cold temperatures often lead to much drier air. So staying hydrated is really important. Staying hydrated will also help with that, you know, that kind of cold hacking cough that you get. Well, part of that is because you're getting aggravated by this very cold weather and it's drying out your throat, your lungs. And as a result, that aggravation is causing like a tickle and a cough. So staying hydrated is going to mitigate some of that coughing. And did I say mitigate? I did. Yes, I did. Woo, it's a big word, everybody. Anyway, it will. So staying hydrated is going to lead to better winter running. Now, how cool is that? Like just doing what you do for most of the rest of the year, like spring and summer and early fall, which is, you know, make a conscious effort to stay hydrated. If you just keep doing that, your winter running just got better. 
I didn't tell you to run more speed. I didn't tell you you have to increase your volume. I didn't tell you you have to run more days. I just said, keep doing what you're doing with the water jug. And you're going to have better training in the winter. By the way, performance drops by you just being a little bit dehydrated. Your sleeping is not a sound if you're a little bit dehydrated. You focus less when you're a little dehydrated. Concentration diminishes when you're a little hydrated. So dehydrated. So the point here is I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Okay? Stay hydrated. Your life just got better. Not just your winter running. But your winter running gets better and then you think your life's better. And anyway, it's not even a vicious circle. It's a wonderful, happy, joyous circle of awesomeness. Just stay hydrated. Okay, here's, here's a tactical one when you're going for a run and it's cold. Now, if it's windy at all and it's cold, you're not going to like to hear this. Too bad. Get over it. I don't tell you what you want to hear. I tell you what you need to hear. Run into the wind to begin the run. So start by running into the wind. It's not going to be fun because you're going to be coming out of like your car that was nice and warm or your apartment or school and it's cold and it's windy and you're going to want to say, I want to run with the wind at my back because it just feels warmer. It's also easier to run with the wind at your back and that's what you're going to want to do to start. But that's not what you should do on a cold day. You should run into the wind. Because when you start, you're a couple of things, okay? You're you're sluggish. That's not why you would run into the wind. Um, you might be grumpy because you're starting a run. There's lots of runners that are grumpy whenever they start a run. But that's not why I'm telling you to run into the wind. You're cold. That's not why I'm telling you to run into the wind. Because now it's just seems worse. I mean, you know, that's why there's something called the wind chill, which we'll get into in a minute. But the point is, is I want you to run into the wind to start because you're not sweating, which means you're not wet. Now, later on in the run, when it's time to turn around, I want you to come back with the wind at your back. Now, remember I said your base layer, it's, it's so important because it protects your engine, your heart, your lungs. You know, if you think about your rib cage, your rib cage is built to protect these very essential, important organs. And that's what your base layer is really doing. They're kicking off the game by saying, all right, we'll go first. You know, we're going to go right on the skin and we'll protect you. But that whole area gets sweaty. The shirt, the base layer, gets sweaty. Okay? Yes, it's wicking, hopefully, the moisture off. But if you run back into the wind, that means the wind's hitting you where? In your face, on your chest. And now suddenly... That base layer and that jacket, they can be the greatest. But if you're running into wind nonstop for the second half of a run, you're going to get cold. And it's hitting your body. And what's it doing? When that wind chill, what that means is you have, um, like I mentioned earlier, you have like a force field around you of heat that just kind of emanates from you. And you can imagine this any way you want. I mean, it's up to you. You can. I like kind of like imagining like a really nice glow, like this kind of warm, simmering glow of heat that I've got around me. You imagine it any way you want. When the wind comes, the wind blows that heat off you. So now that force field of heat is gone. So if it's cold and you have a little force field, you can almost think of it as like you have like this little 
this little nice little fire that's going, that's that's doing its best to keep you as warm as it can, surrounded by all of these cold temperatures. But when the wind comes, it blows that fire out. And now you're all alone against these cold temperatures. That's why the wind chill is telling you what it really feels like when you have none of this warm, wonderful glow around you. So if you're running back and sweaty and the wind is hitting you in the chest, then that's exposing the engine. That's exposing those really important parts to your machinery. I would much rather have it hitting your back. That's what I want you hitting because that's further away from that incredibly important machinery. So when you're starting a run in cold temperatures, the best thing to do when it's windy is to start by running into the wind if it's an out and back. Now, if you're doing loops and it's all over the place and sometimes it's hitting you on the side and sometimes it's hitting you, you know, in the front, sometimes it's hitting you in the back, you know, you make do as best as you can. But if you're doing something like an out and a back, then be smart and start by running into the wind, okay? And on the way back, run with it at your back. The other cool thing here is, and this is not weather related, is the second half of your run now is a little bit easier because you're running with the wind at your back. So the first half, you're, you know, you're struggling a little bit. You're running into the wind. It's taking more effort. So psychologically, you're also teaching your body, like, hey, the second half of the run, I run stronger. So there is some mental gymnastics there that you can work with that's also teaching you the right thing, which is as a run progresses, we progress. We progress forward, not just in distance, but also in pace. So there's also a benefit there, which I think is pretty awesome. But all right, moving on. Let's get to another tip here. Okay, just like you would adjust the thermostat on a very cold day, unless you're my mom who doesn't adjust the thermostat, shout out to you, mom, you're awesome. But man, when it comes to the thermostat on a hot day or a cold day, come on, hook us up a little bit. You know what I mean? Anyway, the point is, just like you would adjust the thermostat on a cold day, you should adjust what you're doing on the run. So if it's a really, really, really cold day and you had planned, I'm making it up. Well, I'm not making it up because this was actually a situation in New York back when I was coaching for Nike. I think we had something like uh, like a 16-mile run that was planned. And, uh, you know, so for some people, this is going to be taking over two hours. And uh, we're meeting very early in the morning. And... Um, before we leave, I say we're adjusting what we're doing today. So the longest was going to be a 16 miler. And then I think maybe we were also offering a 12 miler an eight miler, and then maybe like a four miler. And I said, okay, actually we're doing minutes today. We're not doing mileage. And the longest run, um, anyone can do is a 90 minute run. And people are, Oh, what, what's going on? And I said, going out in these temperatures for two and a half hours is not beneficial. One, you're going to be working way harder than you normally would have worked if the temperatures were 20 degrees warmer. And as a result, you're going to be putting towards an effort or putting forward an effort that is going to demand way more recovery than I'm comfortable with you needing. I don't want you digging this deep on just a long run. And because it's cold and because we're going to be working harder no matter what because it's so cold, 90 minutes in these temperatures is worth more than it normally would be. 
It's just like when you go to altitude, you adjust the expectations of what you need to do. Okay. So when you first go to high altitude, you're not saying, well, I'm going to, I'm not changing my training at all. I'm going to expect to run the same distance and the same pace. No, nope. You're, you're going to go to 10,000 feet and you think that you're going to run the same pace and same distance and the same volume each week that you were at sea level. Uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. And when you get extreme weather, whether it's hot, cold, windy, you make adjustments. It doesn't mean you need to um, diminish the value of the run. Not at all. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get great benefits out of the run. It doesn't mean you can't have a fantastic run. You can have an amazing workout. You can have an even more beneficial workout if you adjust it correctly. And you could have your best run ever in crazy conditions as long as they're safe. And you make the proper adjustments. And you're smart. So what you need to do is you need to look like a coach would look at the weather. And in the winter, you have to make adjustments. And now listen, sometimes the adjustment means you can't run outside. Like if it's icy, uh-uh. I don't if it's snowing and your footing is fine and it does not affect your form whatsoever, which means you're not slipping. Okay, we can run. But if your form has to dramatically change, if there's the possibility of black ice or, or ice you can't see, or the fact that you're going to potentially slip and fall and the run becomes dangerous, well, running in those conditions isn't smart. It ain't hardcore. It's just stupid, really stupid. Now, if you have access to a treadmill, and I know people are like, oh, anything but a treadmill, shut up. Anything but a treadmill, fine, then take the day off. But if you have access to a treadmill and you can run safely on a treadmill, then put some headphones on and get on the treadmill. Like if you're if you're so tough, you know, and you're too tough to run on a treadmill, you're not that tough. Okay? Treadmills can be fun. You can mix it up. We'll have a whole episode on how to make treadmills fun. But for now, just know this. A great run needs to end as a safe run. So if the conditions are tough but you can still run safely, fine. You adjust the volume, the distance, the duration, the pace to fit the conditions so you can still achieve the spirit and purpose of what the run is supposed to be. But if it's a dangerous situation, if the conditions are too dangerous to run safely, then you don't run in those conditions, okay? That seems pretty simple enough. I shouldn't have to go into any more detail than that. So when it's cold, Winter running, be intelligent enough to act like a great coach would and make the proper adjustments to your run on very cold days or when the weather conditions dictate that the, that the actual workout or run needs to be adjusted to fit the spirit or the purpose of the run. So yes, maybe you're going out for a 10K run if everything was great, but things aren't so great. So instead of a 10K run at, you know, six minute Ks, I'm making it up, um, you know, which would be an hour. Well, maybe um, you have to slow things down and you have to run a little bit longer. Okay, that that's an adjustment. Or maybe you shorten things up and you can maintain the original pace. So instead of going 10K at six minute Ks, you end up going... 7K at six-minute Ks. There's all different ways that you can adjust the run 
to fit the conditions, okay? So remember, it's it's not hardcore to be stupid. I know I kind of said that before, but I just, I feel like it, it honestly, it can't be said enough. This sport is so tough and so hard sometimes that we think being tough, being hardcore is doing stupid things. And it's, it's just not. It never is. Doing the right thing is, is always more hardcore than doing something stupid. All right. I think we have two more. I'm not keeping track. How funny would it be if my five tips are actually six? Or how sad would it be if they were really four? Anyway, I'm not going to count. I do have to edit this afterwards. So, all right. Um, I, I, this is really important, I think. Um, which means I, I think this may be the last one. Which is why I have this kind of like chicken scratched written out. And which is why I'm not sure I can't even read some of my writing sometimes. But I think this is the last one. I'm pretty sure it's the last one. And it's compare this winter, not to this fall, not to this spring, not to this summer or last summer, last spring, last fall. Compare this winter to last winter. You don't compare what you could do when there was more daylight warmer temperatures, easier opportunities to run, greater chances to run with people with a situation where there's less opportunities to run, it gets dark early, it gets it stays dark late. Um, the weather conditions are often uh, less than stellar. You don't compare your running during the winter months when the weather can be so hard with months where the weather is comparably much, much easier. That's unfair. It's also ridiculous. So you don't say, oh, my winter sucks because, uh, you know, uh, my mileage got cut in half. Well, maybe that's a really great winter of training, considering the fact that the weather's so hard here. So look where you can improve upon your training not in relation to the fall or the spring or the summer, but in relation to last winter. So it could be something like, you know, maybe if, if you want a better winter of running, this year it means less speed and more volume, okay? Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's less volume and more speed. Or maybe it's more runs, but not as far. So maybe last winter you ran three days a week, but you always went out and tried to run like 45 minutes to an hour. And it's like, well, you know what, maybe this winter, instead of running three days a week, 45 minutes to an hour, I'm going to run five days a week for 20 to 40 minutes. And because this winter I'm looking more for consistency. And th those are the types of things that can improve your winter. It could be, you know what, the winters are especially harsh here. So I'm actually going to add some indoor cycling or some swimming or some strength training or I'm going to be playing some pickup basketball or global football, soccer, you know what I mean? These are the things that I don't normally do during those other months because I'm running so much that I'm going to work on this winter. So by the end of the winter, I have been running, not as much as I did during the fall or the spring or the summer. But I'm a much better athlete. I'm a stronger athlete. I'm a more durable athlete because of the winter months. And, I, and that's where I can almost refresh a little bit mentally, especially if you've been running a lot. So don't look at the winter months where you can't run as much as you did in the other months as a disadvantage. Try to see how it can become an advantage. What can you do 
that you wouldn't normally do during those other months? What are weaknesses that you can actually shine a spotlight on, a bigger spotlight on during the winter months that maybe you can't during those other months? That's a great way to turn around the script of the winter where it's suddenly like, oh, the winter's always my worst season of running. Maybe it's just a different season of running. And it's a better season for all those other things that maybe you don't work on as much during those other seasons. That's a great way to look at winter differently as an opportunity to get better as opposed to a season where you get worse, okay? So I think those were five. If they're not five, then, you know, write me a letter and yell at me. And you can do that by just exclamation points. You can write all caps, although that's kind of obnoxious. Like, you know, a word here, a word there in caps is cool, but all caps, like, pump the brakes, buddy. Calm down. Anyway, there it is. Now, that's not all of the magic we have because there's a Mindset Minute. There's a Mindset Minute coming up right now. So, without any further ado, let me bring in Mindset Coach Extraordinaire, Coach Tammy Bennett with another Mindset Minute. My mindset tip for you for running in the cold is to just embrace how hard it is. And by that, I mean, you can yell, you can scream, you can say, oh my God, this is the coldest I've ever been in my life. Embrace the absurdity of what it is that you're doing. And it doesn't hurt to remind yourself of how badass you are for being out in the cold when Everybody else is inside, warm and cozy on the couch, watching something really good on Netflix, but you're out there in the cold getting it done. So sometimes it just helps to remember how amazing it is that you're doing something incredibly difficult or incredibly uncomfortable and just embrace the heck out of it. So you might say something like, I'm so cold, I can't feel my teeth. I have icicles on my eyelashes. Whatever it is that makes it fun and embraces the absurdity, go do that. And just make sure you're not doing it in a complainy way, but a very empowering, embracing the badass you are way. Have fun. Okay. What can I say? Another great mindset minute from Coach Tammy. I will say I've never heard someone yell out, it's so cold, I can't feel my teeth. And now I can't wait to yell that, especially around other people and see if they react and Try to see if they can feel their teeth. I mean, can you feel, I guess you can feel your teeth. Not not too much though. Anyway, bizarre, but a great mindset minute. All right, well, there we go. That is episode 24. Now we will be bringing back the mailbag next week. We obviously had last week where it was full of questions and we had our first mailbag episode just a few episodes ago. So we're letting the mailbag replenish itself. So if you have a question, send it to the address in the show notes. And also the NCAA cross country championships are this weekend. So I will be including in the show notes, a link to the NCAA championships. It's going to be a doozy and you should watch it. Why? Because becoming a fan of your sport will make you not just a more active participant in the sport by being a fan, it will also help you fall deeper in love with this great sport of yours. So be a fan, support the sport, watch the NCAA cross-country meet this weekend. 
Once again, I will be including some of the details for that meet. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast by being a follower on whatever platform it is that you listen. So please subscribe or follow the podcast. Check out the show notes. Check out Tammy at the Show Up Society. Watch the NCAA meet. Check out the Coach Bennett's newsletter. There should be a new one coming out any day now. It's a good one too. So just finished writing the main piece of it. It's a good one. And as always, thank you for listening to Coach Bennett's podcast. Until next week, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. I'll meet you on another starting line. Thank you so much for listening to Coach Bennett's podcast today. And if you're not already following or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, well, I really wish you would because it helps a lot. Also, check out the show notes because you'll find a link to Coach Bennett's newsletter as well as all the social media sites that I'm on. Places like Threads and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and YouTube and even the artist formerly known as Twitter, whatever that dumpster fire is called today. You'll find a link to it because I'm on there. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself.